Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The more that we think about Michael Gallup and his future with the Dallas Cowboys, the more than it is clear to see that it might be the end between these two parties. And I'll explain why on tonight's show. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, on a Monday night. It is a great night to talk some Cowboys football. I appreciate you being with me tonight as we will be... Diving into the Michael Gallup conversation. If you were around for last night's show, where we talked about basically a potential, re- not replacement, replacement is not the word, uh, basically a second CD Lamp potentially joining the team in the NFL draft, we started talking about the wide receiver position on that show. And we tiptoed around the Michael Gallup dilemma or conversation. I'm not, I'm not even sure it's a dilemma by now is the thing about this show, is the thing about what we'll talk about tonight. But we tiptoed around, you know, uh, Michael Gallup and what his future looks like. Now, I think we've known for a while that Michael Gallup had a big 2024 ahead of him. When he signed that deal in 2022, it was a five-year deal, right, with a base of $57.5 million dollars. And you looked at the guarantees and everything. It felt like year three of that deal would be the moment in time where we could fully realize if he's being cut or not. If it's going to be a two-year deal disguised as a five-year deal or if it's going to be something else. Well, we, we are at that point now. We are at that landmark. And I think the answer is pretty clear at this moment. I think the Cowboys are basically going to be forced to cut Michael Gallup for multiple reasons, financial and sports reasons, too. Uh, The bottom line here is that Gallup did not fulfill what the Cowboys wanted from him. Now, we can say that the front office is, of course, in a big way responsible for that, right? Because the Cowboys front office was the one that was like, yeah, I don't know about Amari Cooper, but Michael Gallup, here you go. Take our money. The Cowboys are the ones who made that decision, and they should be blamed for that. But if we're evaluating Michael Gallup, the truth is his game didn't fully improve basically like like ever, right? That consistency never got back. Uh, we know about the 2019 year, right, where he had 1,107 yards with six touchdowns. That was in 2019. And then... After that, 2020, he had a little bit of lower production. Uh, He had 843 yards. He had five touchdowns. And, you know, 
obviously there's a decline there, but 2020 was a year where the Cowboys played without Dak Prescott. So you could give him a pass there. However, in the years since, which have been basically three years, right, between 2021 and 2023, Michael Gallup has not reached 500 yards. Now, we can talk about injury being a factor to this, right? He missed several games in that span. But 500 yards, he should have potentially, like, reached that mark, even as the number three wide receiver of the, of the Cowboys. And you look deeper into the numbers, and it's just, it's not pretty at all. Uh, and I think the best way that I can put it is this. You look at 2023, right? And you look at when the Cowboys benched him. If you're trying to remember when that happened, it basically did in week nine versus the Philadelphia Eagles. That was the one week where he had that drop right at the end of the first half. If you remember that, it was a costly third down drop that forced the Cowboys to just give up on that offensive drive. And then time comes for the second half and it's Jalen Tolbert out there. Now Gallup did have, uh, you know, a little bit more shots. He got more shots in that game and he had some big catches throughout the season, maybe like big catches specifically, but that was the last time or, or, you know, since then, Michael, since that game in week nine, Michael Gallup did not have a game with over three catches. What's crazier is that all season long, like even looking backwards from week nine, all season long, including the 17 regular season games, he only had two games with over three catches. And there was one game, I'm sure you remember, where he had double-digit targets and he only had three catches in that game. Like, it, it was just a rough year overall for Michael Gallup. And I think you we could make a big deal out of like the, the knee and the injury and all that, but 2023 was supposed to be a year where Gallup looked like his former self, and we just did not get that. The best games that he had were basically in terms of catches versus the Patriots, which was a blowout, five catches for 60 yards and two first downs. Then he had one game with six catches. This was versus the Arizona Cardinals. That was by far his best game with 92 yards and four first downs. But other than that, man, you didn't see Michael Gallup pick up a first down more than twice in but one single game. No, two games with over two first downs. Two games with over two first downs. The rest of them was that or nothing. It, it, it was an underwhelming year for Michael Gallup. And now you turn to 2024, and he's set to make $8.5 million in base salary. The thing is that it's not that simple, right? If you cut Michael Gallup right now, you wouldn't get $8.5 million in cap savings. It's not how it would work. How it would work is basically you would have to eat 13, and I have the numbers right here to, to tell you the exact numbers. Uh, oh, by the way, I just wanted to add some context to that stat that I just mentioned. This is a random stat that I'm going to throw out there, right? Michael Gallup, two games with over two catches, over three catches, excuse me, in one game in the season. Uh, sorry, <laughs> two games. With three over three catches throughout the entire season. Sorry about that. I butchered it. But random stat for you. Totally unrelated. Just popped into my mind right now. Amari Cooper had 10 of those games. 
random comparison for you. Just tossing it out there, right? Anyways, if you do cut, and actually going back to the football, I also got to say this, and I mentioned it yesterday, but since we're focusing on Michael Gallup, it feels appropriate to go back to it. The thing about Michael Gallup that should really concern you moving forward, football-wise, is a contested catch department. And I said this last night. If Michael Gallup was out there struggling to gain separation with speed or struggling to be the best route runner of the team, right? Struggling to be that version like of Amari Cooper, which was his biggest strength route running. Uh, we, I would be fine with that. Because the way that we wanted Gallup to win was by playing iso ball, right? Just BDX receiver to one side and go one-on-one. -on -one. We'll throw you the curl and you'll have to win it, right? We'll throw you the go route. You'll have to go up and win it. That was where Michael Gallup really thrived in contested catches. Now, contested catches are tricky, though, to evaluate. Because as the name implies, you're talking about a 50-50 ball right there. So if you have 50% of... A 50% contested catch rate, you're going to be fine. Like, that's what you should have on average. Like, it's literally the meaning of a contested catch. But Michael Gallup was down by like 30%. And the problem was that the Cowboys were throwing them these passes. Like, the Cowboys were trying to get him the ball that way, and he just didn't deliver at all. He never got close to it uh, in 2023. Before that, it was pretty great. Uh, before that, the Cowboys had a lot of results with Michael Gallup. Or, or it inconsistent, but better results in that department. So when you're struggling in that aspect of your game, being Michael Gallup, that's when it becomes an issue. Now let's move on to the financials, though. Now let's move on to the financials. If the Cowboys cut Michael Gallup now, you don't get any benefit, basically. If they cut him now, right? So if they do a pre-Yun first release. And the problem is you would have to eat over $13 million in debt money and you would save $800,000 in the salary cap. So you would open up under a million dollars in salary cap space. But there's a way around it. And, and you know you can weigh the pros and cons of going about this, but there's a way around that. You can designate him as a post-Yun first release. This is just paperwork basically however the cowboys decide to file the release but what happens with that is that the cowboys can push a little bit of the dead money until next year and actually most of the dead money to where instead of having 13.05 million dollars in dead money in 2024 they would push most of that to 2025 and just eat a little bit over four million dollars this year that translates into $9.5 million in cap savings for 2023. So $9.5 million. So that is significant money. And I'll get into why in a little bit here. Why particularly this year I view $9.5 million as significant cap savings. But it also means that you don't get those cap savings until June. That's why the term is post-June first release. In other words, you don't get to benefit from those cap savings in March in the first waves of free agency. You get to benefit until June. 
And many of you might be thinking, then why the heck would we do it because of that, right? We don't want uh, cap savings in June. We want them now. But the Cowboys do have a long list of 2025 free agents that they should be worried about, right? Among those, you can think about Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamp, Micah Parsons, and the Cowboys might want to get some early work done in that time period of the year, right? Maybe the Cowboys have not gotten all of the extensions done that they want to, and maybe in June, those $9.5 million are not game-changing numbers for the deals they're going to be signing, but they certainly help. So Michael Gallup releasing him financially makes sense, and I think football-wise, it also makes sense. Let me read some of your comments here on the show uh, regarding this. And I saw one that I wanted to read about Jalen Tolbert. Let's see what you guys had to say. Gregory says, Mo, it is Tolbert time. You got to start him. That's one of the football reasons why you would also get rid of, of you know, uh, Michael Gallup, right? Like, if you're doing the pros and cons, and shout out to Mitesh, who is just joining the show they have not released him yet. Yet We're just having a conversation about it uh, probably happening, right? But this is the year where we know about Jalen Tolbert. We hoped it was last year, but if we're being real, we still don't know exactly what to make out of uh, Jalen Tolbert. Because uh, he showed a lot of flashes, but also not enough to be full steam ahead. Jalen Tolbert is wide receiver three no matter what. I think... That's a no-no. So Jalen Tolbert, you know, just giving him that opportunity to really earn the number three spot, taking Michael Gallup out of the equation would help that be much easier and smoother, I believe, within the team. But also, I think, and this is a part that we kind of underestimate about it, is I can see the Cowboys upgrading at at number three in free agency. And I'm not talking about the top guys. I'm not talking about Michael Pittman. And I'm not talking about Mike Evans. And I'm not talking about T. Higgins. But I'm just looking here. I'm cheating here. I'm looking at the 105 free agent projections that we had at uh, over on uh, adcsports.com. And listen, Calvin Ridley is ranked 13th. Now, these are not rankings of best to worst players. These are rankings of expected value per year. Uh, Calvin Ridley is 13th at 20 million per year projected in, in a three-year deal. Not even Calvin Ridley, although it would be fun. But hey, man, let's be realistic here and let's say maybe Calvin Ridley would still be too much for a Cowboys team that is usually very conservative in March. But what about Gabe Davis, right? Gabe Davis is projected to sign a three-year deal worth million, that's an average of 12.5, which basically one year guaranteed uh, per this projection because it's got got $15 million guaranteed. Uh, Gabe Davis was maybe not a good enough number two wide receiver for Buffalo, but can he be a good enough number three wide receiver or somebody that competes for that role with Jalen Tolbert? Like, I would much rather give a shot to somebody like Gabe Davis then stick with Michael Gallup. That's just me being honest with you, right? Especially because he's got a little something that maybe Gallup doesn't have, which is like the field stretching, right? Gallup is a good one-on-one guy, but he's not exactly a burner. I'm not saying Gabe Davis is a a speedster himself, 
but he can win deep. He has win deep uh, before. He has won deep before. Uh, that's another name. I know people are gonna be are gonna have all sorts of opinions about OBJ, but you know where I stand, man. If it's a low risk deal, I absolutely would consider it as well. I know that one might be a little bit more controversial, though. There's Tyler Void. There's Darnell Mooney, who maybe I don't love because because maybe I don't want like a, a full time slot wide receiver. Curtis Samuel is also in that list. Josh Reynolds from the Detroit Lions is also somebody that the Cowboys could consider. He did play a lot out wide, so that could be, you know, a, a, an attractive option that I could see not being good enough for a number two spot, but for a number three, number four spot, he could be a good, basically, uh, depth addition. And ADC Sports is projecting Josh Reynolds to sign for a two-year deal worth $11 million, which would come out at a $5.5 million uh, per year with only one year guaranteed is basically what you're looking at right there. Uh, and that those are basically the names that I would consider. There are others like Kendrick Byrne, and then there's Jawan Jennings, who will be like a famous free agent target just because of that insane Super Bowl that he had because uh, it was very good. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Icon, I also makes a list here. I think there's uh, DJ Chark somewhere in there. I just think... I just think that if you look at the free agents out there and you look at Michael Gallup, you got to be like, oh man, he's expendable. For sure, he is expendable. And this is where we can get deeper into the financials. The Cowboys need to open up salary cap space. And yes, it's, it's, it's doable. It's totally doable. The salary cap is extremely manipulable, and, and and you can take care of that. You can lower that cap hit right away with extensions, with restructures, and all that. But one of the big ways that you can go about it is by cap casualties, right? Straight up cutting guys that are taking too much space. And as I look at the list of players here on overthecap.com, and actually I'm going to share the screen. I'm going to tr- throw a lot of numbers at you uh, right now, and I'm sorry to... Get a spreadsheet there in your <laughs> in your screen right now. I'm gonna do it, and I won't apologize. the The only columns that we're interested in are the first column to the left, which is the players' names, and the last column to the right. So don't be scared by the numbers. We can ignore them completely. We just care about the first and the second and, and the last column. Excuse me, first and last. If you, if we look at cut. Right, Because the numbers that we're looking at right here are cap savings. If we look at the cut savings, there's just not a lot of options to go through. Like, Brandon Cooks would open up $4 million, but I don't see how the Cowboys get rid of Brandon Cooks. The same goes for uh, Demarcus Lawrence that would open up just $2.5 million in the salary cap. I'm going to go a little bit lower now. Leighton Banderesh, $2 million. Banderesh is somebody that I believe is likely being cut or he's going to retire, which is going to translate basically to the same cap savings. Uh, Brian Anger would open up $3 million. You're not cutting Brian Anger, right? Uh, Cooper Rush could open up $2.2 million. Uh, that's something that the Cowboys could definitely do as a... Uh, as Trey Lance is set to take over, in my opinion, as QB2. 
Osa, you're not cutting Osa, and he doesn't open up uh, pretty much anything other than $1.3 million. Chauncey Goldson, I mean, you could cut him, but it's like under $2 million as well. Like the only player that I can see in this list that makes uh, a big impact, and these are pre-June first releases though, right? These are just players that don't make a lot of money. Uh, even if you go to post-June first, I think there's a lot of players that don't make sense. Like a lot of these are big savings guys, but you're not getting rid of them. Heck, even Trent Steele, who would open up $9.5 million, I don't see how you can get rid of him in 2024. Brian Anger, the same story that we just talked about, right? So not even post-June post post first releases make sense other than Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is the one guy, man. Oh, and Trent Steele, I read that wrong, by the way. I, I read uh, Gallup's number. Never mind. Terrence Steele wouldn't open you anything uh, under $1 million. That makes much more sense, given how recent his contract is. Uh, Michael Gallup is the guy that opens up $9.5 million with a straight-up roster cut. Now, the way the Cowboys can open up cap space beyond just this cap casualty that we're talking about is by restructuring deals or extending players. If you extend Dak Prescott, you can open up more than $20 million, but you can restructure Zach Martin, which would open up about, about uh, $12.5 million. D-Law would open up about $4 million. Trevon Diggs could open up almost $8 million. Michael Gallup would open up $4.9 million instead of the nine point five that he would with a post-June first release. If you want to restructure Brandon Cooks, you can also do that. Uh, Donovan Wilson, although the number is much lower. Terrence Steele is low-key going to be a fun decision, man. Because he could open up $5 million if you restructure his deal. But I'm not sure he's necessarily somebody that we see as an automatic restructure, right? Because remember, restructures are not pay cuts. They're basically pushing or kicking the can a little bit to next year and the year after that and the year after that. And I'm not sure Terrence Steele has done enough to be like, oh, hell yeah, we'll just restructure your deal because we're sure that you're going to be the right tackle for the long run. We just don't know. Hey, maybe 2023 was rocky for him because he was coming off of an injury, but also maybe not, right? Like, let's find out. Let's find out because it was a rocky year for Terrence Steele, especially in pass pro. So, I, I wonder if the Cowboys hold on on the Terrence Steele restructure and maybe they're like, you know what, let's let's keep our options open because if you don't restructure him, right, if you don't restructure him now, in 2025, you could open up $80 million by cutting him straight up, pre-Union pre first and everything. Uh, you would have to do it before March 17th, though. Because the paragraph five salary, the base salary would become guaranteed then. And it's like $13 million. So that changes everything. But yeah, man, uh, the Cowboys, the trend still think might get interesting, to be honest with you. I'm just, I'm still looking at the numbers here. And yeah, they, they could be wild in, in 2025, that scenario, man, if the Cowboys don't like what they see from Steel this year. Anyways, though, let me read some of your comments here on the show. Thank you so much for being here. By the way, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoyed the show. That helps me 
get this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. It is the single biggest thing that you can do to help out. Uh, shout out to Chava Vargas, by the way, who is watching from Facebook. He is watching from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, shout out to him, who also supports uh, my show in Spanish. So that's awesome to see him around here. Katharina says, what would Pollard open up if they cut him, Mo? Well, nothing is a thing because Pollard is set to hit free agency. So to open up cap space, you got to be under contract for the next season. And Pollard is not as of right now. So that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't matter right there. I thought I've seen Michael Thomas name coming, says Cam. Oh, man. Michael Thomas is probably on that list of of free agent wide receivers that are going to be linked uh, to the Cowboys. But Michael Thomas, man, <laughs> Michael Thomas might not be it, right? I mean, obviously he was at some point, right? But man, whether it's injuries or whatever, but like, it's crazy to think that the last time that Michael Thomas was, was really Michael Thomas was like back in 2019 when he had back-to-back all-pro years for the New Orleans Saints and over 1,700 receiving yards. It's crazy how his career just collapsed entirely. And it did collapse, like, because of injuries. And, you know, we could also talk about the quarterback situation in New Orleans, but it's definitely primarily and most importantly the injuries. Uh, Michael Thomas... He's going to be a free agent, though. So, and I don't, I'm not sure if we have him in a 105, but I'm going to look for him very quickly here for you. Michael Thomas. He's not in the, in the 105 contract projections for ADC Sports, which figures because he's going to be like a low-risk bet for somebody. And if somebody hits on him, man... That's the second time I've seen that comment today. I thought somebody was trolling. I thought somebody was trolling. But all right, we'll go into Twitter. And we'll see what everyone's talking about. Not everyone, but but a couple of people have now mentioned it. I, I totally missed that if it did happen. So I've seen two comments now on Jimmy Johnson, like joining the Cowboys in some capacity. But I'm not sure what we're talking about here. Oh, so Jimmy Johnson said this on the Miami radio. I'm not exactly sure what this means. So, hey, some breaking news. Uh, not breaking news. This is from earlier today. I didn't, I didn't catch this at all. And I've been working all day. That's weird. <laughs> all right. So let me read you the quote, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jimmy Johnson on the Miami radio. Since the Ring of Honor, I am on his advisory board now. Uh, Jerry Jones' advisory board. Uh, we were talking on the phone for about an hour after his Green Bay loss, and he was talking about what all he needed to do because he had big decisions on Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and Dak Prescott, and everything is hunky-dory now. I am back in the fold with the Cowboys. I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm not sure how I feel about that. How do you feel about that? Let me know in the chat. Let me know in the chat how what what are we supposed to make out of this? It is cool. It is cool as Russell says right here. Pretty cool. I'll give you that. 
But I'm also kind of wondering if it really matters right now. You know, Jimmy Johnson, obviously, great coach, all-time great. I'm not trying to, to say anything different to that. But guys, when was the last time Jimmy Johnson was coaching in the NFL? Successfully? I'm not sure this matters. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, obviously it's cool. But I'm not sure it's like a difference maker. I'm going to keep it real with you. Because what? That, that advisory board thing, what is it going to do? The, the only thing, the, the only way that I could see it being a factor for Dallas is like if he convinces Jerry Jones to, to open up the wallet. Other than that, like, what do we expect? He's not going to be in the coaches' meetings, right? <laughs> and that's a good thing, probably. <laughs> uh, Mike McCarthy didn't bring him in, right? Mike Simmer didn't bring him in. I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to make out of that. But it is, it is cool, and I guess it cannot hurt. So they've got the thumbs up from me. I'm just going to say... Don't don't think that it's going to be like a game-changing hire for a Cowboys franchise that needs a much more aggressive free agency approach, among other things. Uh, that's, that's the best-case scenario for me, where Jimmy is like, Jerry, I'm happy I'm your friend again. I'm happy I'm in the ring of honor. But, bro, got to give – hey, we don't – you don't have the players we used to have back in the 90s when we spent – a heck of a lot more money. So that's what I make out of that. I saw a, a comment about this when we when I first went live tonight. And I was like, what is that about? And then somebody else commented on it. And I was like, all right, we got to check this out. Hey, this is true from Russell. Like, uh, maybe Jimmy had some input into the Mike Simmer thing. And if he did, like, that's definitely something. Kids Creative Storytelling says Jimmy can't coach. Why? Because these players nowadays are crybabies. That's what Kids Creative has to say about this. Uh, there's definitely a question about how would Jimmy Johnson uh, be able to coach in, in today's NFL and how would he relate to today's players? I think, let, let, me, let me share an opinion and I'll leave you with this and I'll let you go with this. Uh, let me share an opinion on the coaching these players nowadays. Because I think it's misunderstood. It is true. It is true, but it is misunderstood. It's not that. It's not that I don't respect. Look, like, if I were like a, a young player, right? It's not that young players don't respect these coaches anymore, right? And it might be a little bit that they are spoiled, as Cam says here in the chat. But I'm not sure that's how I would describe it. How I would describe it is. The NFL has become more and more and more and more of a business. So now you're getting into this situation where the players, like the stars, they make more money than the coaches. And, and in a lot of cases, that is what happens. And I'm not sure that was the case a long time ago when basically you could come in and be a college coach. And, and now you can even do it in college because of NIL, I guess. But like it's a different relationship dynamic where – if I'm playing high school ball, then my head coach 
And my coaches can be all tyrants and they can basically just give me orders. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, coach. Yes, coach. Yes, coach. Right. Because that's like the whole power dynamic, right? You're a student at, at the high school and they're the coaches and they're just going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it. There's clearly a boss, right? Now, theoretically, on paper, you could say that the coaches are the bosses of the players too. But they're more like colleagues, in my opinion, in today's NFL where players are making the money that they're making. And there's anything, there's nothing wrong with the fact they're making that sort of money. But I think that's where the difference in dynamic comes from. It's not that, oh, players today have social media and they don't care because they all lack respect. It's not that. It's that the power dynamic and the financial dynamic is much more different in today's game. That's how I view it, at least. So you got to be able to connect with players in a way that it's not just I'm your boss and you got to do what I told you to do, right? You got to be able to connect with players in a different way. That's how I view it personally. I think it's it's different. Like, I'm going to say this, like Mexico football here, here in Mexico, like even in pro ball, like players don't make obviously the money that that uh, NFL players make. Most national players have second jobs or, or actually playing football is their second job. And in here, you can have like that dynamic where, oh, sure, the coach tells you what to do and you're going to do it right. Like that's dynamic, a little bit more militaristic, if you will. Uh, so just 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 my take on that whole thing. I don't I just I just think it's overblown when people are like, oh, man, they're they're they don't make them like they used to. Because it's not about generations or anything like that. It's just about the money dynamics of the NFL. That's how I view it. Now, also. I do smirk a little bit when 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 we act like Jimmy Johnson's teams were super disciplined of the field, right? Gregory says, Mo, one of Jimmy's, Jimmy's best values was that he was straight out of college and he knew the players to draft and build the Cowboys. But Jimmy has been out of the loop too long to repeat that success now. Oh, for sure. And he also had like a defense that was somewhat revolutionary, right? Where he was taking, you know, linebackers and making them defensive linemen and defensive backs and making them linebackers. So he was... He was innovating a little bit, too, when he got to the NFL. Obviously, like Jimmy coaching today would not be what diehard old school Cowboys fans think it would. Jimmy Johnson is not a viable head coach uh, in today's game. But that's that's another that's another point there, too. It is absolutely true what Gregory just said. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on the show. We're not going to be live tomorrow, but I am going to record something for you. And then I'm going to see you on Wednesday night live at 8 p.m central potentially a little bit earlier potentially we're gonna do an early start for wednesday's show uh so stay tuned and i'm gonna let you know i'm gonna schedule the video ahead of time so you can plan ahead and thank you so much for joining me on tonight's show i'll see you tomorrow bye-bye